you can go pee now. an audience to clap it's my favorite thing and they're real people not a laugh track that we prepared (laughs) (laughs) we would have edited it in seamlessly otherwise so we're super excited to end the season this way it is it's been our second season um we are thrilled that you all came out tonight uh we were prepared for there to be nobody here so (laughs) thank you all for coming but we know we have some amazing guests and i'm sure that everyone's excited to see them tonight as well definitely we're so thrilled to see each and every one of you here tonight so thank you for coming out Unfortunately, you're kind of stuck in this room for the next hour. So as much as our guests might make you want to pee yourself with laughter, you can't get up and use the toilets during recording. For those listening at home, feel free to listen on the toilet and pee all you want. You're golden. Okay, maybe we should just introduce our guests uh, before there's too much more pee talk. We can save that for later. (laughs) (laughs) Never enough. We are so excited to have Geraldine Hickey with us tonight. Geraldine is a comedian, broadcaster and actor. Her unselfconscious charm and superb skill for finding the funny in true stories has seen her described as a deceptively cheery dame who'll quietly take out your innards. She's the co-host of Melbourne's Triple R Breakfasters and a stalwart of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. She's appeared on multiple comedy, multiple comedy galas and on Get Crackin', How to Stay Married and Sammy J's Democratic Party. Please welcome her to not so quietly take out our innards, Geraldine Hickey. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I love being on stage for housekeeping. It is. <laughs> I'm like, mm, tell me more about your house and how to More keep about it. your pee. Mm. Yes. Jez, thank you so much. I've known you for what I realised today. I went back through some Facebook Ten photos. years. Yes, like a fucking decade. Ten years. You know, uh, we met, um, you, there was you and two other mates, Brenna and Talia, and you were the, the awesome trio of just the coolest people to hang out with. Aww. Like I wanted to be, like I was like, oh, I want to hang out with the cool trio. And we'd like to thank Geraldine Hickey. She's <laughs> going to go now. That was all we needed. <laughs> Got that on record too. Thank you. But it was, I met you just before I was applying to go to university and I had to write out, do you remember this? Yeah. So I had to write an essay of, and some other things of why I should be accepted into this course to do I was doing a, a postgraduate in commercial radio and what I learnt from that is I never want to work in commercial radio. <laughs> uh, the degree pays for itself. <laughs> yeah. But I remember I was struggling. Oh, man, I was always so bad at school and writing essays and whatnot and basically Steph wrote my uh, enrolment. <laughs> my essay to get me in and I got in. So That is not completely factual. It is. I bought you, you a bottle of red wine and you wrote it for me. You sent me what you had and I helped you out. You rewrote the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so like something Steph would do. He's yeah. well known as the grant helper, the essay helper, the just expert pair of eyes. And bitch knows work. how to write an essay. It's great. <laughs> so Again, good. you can leave. That's yeah, all I yeah. <laughs> No, no, you definitely. So I helped you learn that you didn't want to work in commercial radio. You are welcome. Yeah, but I learned a lot of skills doing radio. Um, I learned the, the year after I finished doing, maybe it was a couple of years after I did my first podcast and I'm still reaping the benefits of that podcast. And we only did like one season of it. What was it called? What was the podcast? It was called The Down Low. And it was uh, a footy podcast and it was me and Kate McLennan. I don't know if you know her from Get Kraken. She's kind of famous now. Yeah. Or the Kate, one of the Kates. One of the Kates. One of the Kates. <laughs> and um, another lesser known comedian, Anne Edo Edmonds. Um, and the three she of us. Known, known for her role on Get Kraken. Yeah. Helen Badu. So... I, the three of us did this podcast and basically we would go to the footy and we were like, we were just all like footy, let's, you know, let's be three women talking about footy because no one else is doing that. So we did, we go to a footy match and then we'd talk about it um, and amongst other things. So, and we do like fun characters and stuff, but it was, yeah, no one else had done it before and I think it's still, 
you know, it's the reason why I now have a job on, on Triple R doing breakfast. Like we ended up doing the show on Triple R, uh, like on Sunday afternoons for a year. We had a really, really great producer and, and panel operator in for us. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that Cut might have been our very own producer. Yes. Jess like Piano. Like, yeah. She was so incredible. This is yeah, no yeah. It's great. I don't, cause, do you remember coming in? Sorry, I know you're not on mic or anything. But do you remember coming in one day and you were like, oh, guys, I want to apply for a job at, at, at ABC. Like you were applying for jobs and stuff and you're like, can you, is it all right if I put down that like I'm, you know, help out with this show and stuff? I'm like, mate, you can put down whatever you fucking like. <laughs> <laughs> you're the producer of the show. Say what you want. And how did that work out for you? It worked out okay. But I did literally nothing and you did everything. So. Jess now works at the ABC, everyone. Yeah. So Sarah has her side gig. That so. was my point. Spoiler yeah. alert. All credit to you. 100%. Mate, you knew, you knew exactly when to press the buttons and um, and that's what we needed. <laughs> and, what yeah. did, and what about Ronnie? <laughs> what about me? Can we say some nice things about me? Yeah. Oh. Well, yes. <laughs> Uh, I um, I enjoy that our outfits complement each other. Oh, they actually nice. do. We're looking yeah. very simpatico tonight. Yeah. It's all part of the plan. Oh. We We've also match our Aperol spritzes. Which Yellow, is perfect orange. talk for audio, I reckon. Like, <laughs> let's yes. definitely talk about what we're wearing. Also, my underwear matches my shirt, just FYI. Oh. <laughs> Maybe if you and she's just sitting here it. in her underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I could show you later. That's the benefits of being in a live show. To, you know, <laughs> Anything can happen stuff. and yeah. we're not quick enough to censor it. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, you were talking about <laughs> breakfasters. Yes. How's that going? Uh, it's amazing. I love it. I really, really love it. It's um, Like I said, with, with commercial radio, the thing from doing that course is I learnt that it kind of there's a lot of people making decisions about your creativity and what you can and cannot say on air. I th- I've always loved radio as a medium, which is why I love podcasts and and whatnot. And I, that's the thing I love about podcasts is you can say what you want as well. And commercial radio just seems to have like some fuckwit in a suit thinking they know better than you. Uh, and I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not into that. No one wears shoes at Triple R, do they? What? <laughs> it's like a more, there's no suits. It's just like oh yeah, no. <laughs> shoes or suits? Fuck you. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, I thought you said shoes, and I'm like oh mate, we're community, <laughs> but you know, uh, but it's a bit at Triple R. It's like man, there's something that's got to be said about community. Like in, in every sense of the word, it's like you know, having like-minded people around you and and doing breakfast. Breakfast is is you know one of the one of the best breakfast shows on radio and I'm totally biased in saying that but it's absolutely true like the diversity we have on that show of guests is you know astounding like you know this week we had we interviewed a a Syrian refugee or Palestinian refugee that was born in Syria and survived a chemical attack and it was the most amazing interview like just to sit there and listen to his story and then like you know 20 minutes later we'd be talking to someone about bugs and them spitting acid out of their bums. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of just a real balance of, you know, different opinions and, and voices that that isn't heard on, on various commercial things. I have to ask my biggest question about Breakfast Radio is how getting up early every day is that was that a struggle for you initially? Did you just get used to it? What Does time it rearrange do you do? your brain? Yeah, what time do you get up? Oh man, I love I love this. I get up at four thirty, and I think I am a morning person. I, I've never really had a problem with it, probably because my day finishes in the morning. Do you you know, like achieve so much when some of us are still sleeping in. Yeah, I so my day consists of like at four, I'll get up at four thirty, and I'm usually in the studios by about quarter past five, half past five. Um, but there are days like, and we'll have meetings and stuff. And generally, the latest my day will go to is about, you know, one o'clock or so with meetings and just general work and whatnot. So, but on Fridays, I thoroughly enjoy. <laughs> we we have a meeting, a production meeting. It finishes about ten thirty, and then I like to go into the office at Triple R, and the you know all the other full time staff there or part time staff, and they all start office hours at ten till six. So at ten thirty, I walk through the office. And go, oh, g'day guys! You just um, just just got here, have you? Just just starting your day. 
just starting, are you? Oh, Friday. Looking forward to that Friday knockoff, are you? Friday knockoff. Yeah, that's what. Ooh, seven and a half hours away, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm off now. <laughs> Suck it, losers. You're like, I can have my Friday knockoff beer yeah. now at 10.30 <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's every Friday. So you're really contributing it. to that beautiful culture that is Triple R then. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is Drink a long-standing bees. show, yeah, though. Yeah. Like, how did, how did you happen to be on there? Like, did you get approached? No, I did a... I did a feel like I was doing the the down low on Sunday afternoons, and I I did a feel for a week while while the other while the team was on on holidays, and then at the end of the it was announced that their their contracts weren't being renewed. They were looking for a new team, and I kind of didn't know what the approach. I thought, oh, just wait until they announce that they're um, looking for people or... I'll get Steph to write my application yes. again. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's that classic f- female thing of just going, oh, if if they want me, they'll just... I'm not... I might not be good enough for this. I'll just... I mean, I'll have it... I'll ask, you know. And I had um, Josh Earl, who did the job that I currently do, he was like messaging me going, you should do this job. You should do this. Like, and throughout the year, he's like, you'd be really great in this role. Like, you'd be great. You should do it. And then when it was announced that they weren't coming back, he was like, what do you, are you, you should do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, what do I do? Do I just, should I email them and say that I'm interested in doing it? And he was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I kept, you know, and it's so funny how I often think that I'm like, oh, yeah, I've just got to think like a man because absolutely there's so many men that would just be like, I could do that. Hey, Mediocre man. Yeah, I want to do that. In Here suits, I am. shoes or no shoes. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for, I'm ready to, I'm ready to step up. Put me in there, boss. Um, <laughs> and I kind of, I sent off this email and was like, uh, oh, hey, just, oh, just wanted to, I'm not sure what, what your plan is or anything, but um, I just want to throw my hat in the ring, you know. Oh, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> P.S. This is Geraldine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, and then I got the, um, I got a a phone call the next day, and I just I'd just been at the pool and I'd swum some laps, and I got out of the pool, and so I was in. I remember in the car being in wet bathers and wrapped in a towel, and I took this phone call, and they were like, "Oh, hey, just we got your email, um, and just." Um, just wanted you to have time for a quick chat about this. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Thinking, we'll plan a time. You can come in. We'll do. I thought I was going in for an interview. And then I just went, yeah, we got your email. And just, um, yeah, we'd really love you to, to do the role. I was like, oh, my God. It's just this, oh, man, I wish I thought like a man more often. And just <laughs> what a what an amazing, it's just amazing how, yeah, apparently, you know, they were looking, they were planning on giving it to me the whole time. <laughs> But they were worried about um, – they were waiting because they knew Josh and I were really good friends and they were waiting for there to be some distance right. <laughs> between timing. So, so like, the grave wasn't still warm on his yes. job. Yes, but, yeah. but the whole time he was messaging me going, Do you should it. do this job. <laughs> <laughs> so it was totally fine. How long's it been now? This is my fourth, fourth year on air. We've done three years, so we've just started our fourth year. That's pretty amazing. Mm. But comedy has been a bit longer, right? So how long have you been doing comedy? Because that's initially how I met you. Oh, yeah. So comedy world. Comedy, I, I did Raw in 2001. How was Raw? I, I <laughs> was runner-up in, in the, thank you. What's the, winner, what's the winner doing now? I just like. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think she lives in Adelaide. I was a big fan of her, though. But, yeah, did comedy... Although, I mean, that's when I kind of started doing comedy in Melbourne. I had done a few gigs here and there before that. But, yeah. but So, a long time. Oh, my God. Such a long time. <laughs> Who cares? I'm here now. Things are going <laughs> well. What are you talking about? <laughs> Jess is just going to take a nap. <laughs> no. It's just people don't want to hear when I started. And yeah, I think they – do okay. you guys want to hear about Jess's career? I think that's the okay. whole point. <laughs> Thank you. It's very nice. I want to hear. Once upon a time, <laughs> I did comedy and I'm still doing it. Uh, no, yeah, I did raw. I don't know. What do you want to know? Well, um, I, I want to know. I think comedy can be a really vulnerable space. Mm. Can you talk about when you first decided to do it, how you entered that space and had the chutzpah to be like, yes, I can do this. This is my thing. 
and whether you had that from the beginning or whether it took time to kind of feel in control of being on stage and, and vulnerable and oh. talking about yourself. I think it takes a long time and I think you, you still kind of learn it um, as you go. I first started, I was I wanted to be an, an actor growing up and so I did um, children's theatre and did drama at high school. And one day in, in class, uh, the teacher had written some lines up on the board. There was just like four lines. And he was like, in, get into partners, get into pairs and interpret it however way you want, right? And I got up and we, me and my partner, we did our thing and everybody laughed. And I was like, guys, I was serious. <laughs> Trying to be serious, be, you know. And my drama teacher was like, Jesse, you know what this means? And I went, oh, that I can't act. And he went, no, that you're a comedian and you should do comedy. I was like, oh, okay. And then you slipped on a banana peel yeah. and the rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> but then it was like, uh, but I, like I grew up in Albury, so there was no, there's no live stand-up in Albury. The only comedy I saw was on TV, you know, so I'd... You know, I'd watch the gala or I'd, you know, watch the big gig and and things like that. So when it came to home to do, I was a couple of years later. This is after I'd, you know, finished high school, was at uni and, uh, oh man, I was shit at uni. I didn't last at uni, but I was kind of, had moved back home to Albury and was working at the local cinema, which in my mind, I just went, I'm going to work here forever. Because <laughs> why not? Like... I got a free movies. Yeah, free movies, popcorn. Chop tops. Chop tops. Yeah. We used to make the chop tops. Um, make chop tops. And and I just thought, and then we'd just go, the friends from the movies would go out on Friday and Saturday night, you know. And then I thought, I'll just meet Where? some. No offence, Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> We had a couple of pubs. It was great. Oh, you okay. knew, you know, didn't matter where. Go over the border. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling really oh, wild. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wodonga came to us. <laughs> uh, and then I thought, I'll just meet someone and then we'll get married and I'll just, you know, work part-time at the cinemas and be a housewife. That was my dream, you know. Uh, Look at you living it now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And then, uh, but then mum was like, you can't work at the cinema for the rest of your life because I was still living at home at this day. Mum's like, you can't work at the cinema for the rest of your life. What? I'm like, all right. And then she was like, why don't you go to TAFE and enrol in this secretarial course? Oh, no. <laughs> become a secretary. And I was like, nah, this I'm going to... pre-Mad Men oh, yeah. and everything. I know. <laughs> I said, no, nah, I'm going to do comedy. And she would, what, how are you going to do that? And I was like, oh. And I jumped online and entered Raw while I was talking to her and went, oh, I'm doing this comedy competition. And then, uh, and then I, so I came down to Melbourne for my heat and then won my heat and then... I had a cousin that came to see me and he was like, when are you moving to Melbourne? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've got to quit my job, which I love. My cushy <laughs> job. Break yeah. up with me fiance who doesn't yeah, exist. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, kind of moved to, and you know, find someone to live in Melbourne. And he was like, oh, there's a spare room at my place. Uh, do you want to move? So two weeks later, I was, I'd moved to Melbourne. And that was when the next heat was that I got through. And yeah. And then I was at the Centrelink office, applying for the dole. <laughs> When I got the phone call, because I I missed out on getting into the national finals, and then I yeah it was in the Dole office having my one on one meeting. Aren't they fun? Yeah. <laughs> mm. But then I got the phone call, and this is like in the early two thousand like two thousand and one, so it was like it was still like not many a Nokia thirty three ten. Yeah, no, I think it was even something like a Motorola or something. And I was just <laughs> like, oh yeah, do you mind if I take that? And they're like. <laughs> Yeah, It'd be and your job. Yeah, exactly. They should let you answer the phone. Yeah, so they did, and then it was the comedy festival telling me that they'd um, given me a wild card entry into the national finals, and so I was so excited. I was like, "Oh my god, I've got into that!" And that, thankfully, the guy that was doing the interview was just as excited. <laughs> he was just like, "Oh, way to go! Well done!" And then, anyway, I was and on the dolphin. Like, down many to years. business. <laughs> yeah. Do they pay? No. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, on the door for many years because we talk a little bit about financial stability and how difficult it is to be a creative, particularly as a woman or a non-binary creative. Mm -hmm. How many jobs, what jobs, how have you funded your life to this point other than the cinema? (laughs) R.I.P. And did did there come a point where you were like, see your day job, I can actually focus on comedy and radio? See your day doll. Yeah, Yeah. do you know, I did, I worked in, um, in... 
I worked at the casino in Galactic Circus in Kingpin for many, many years. Um, I just, I just, I just have to say, I really fucking love jazz. Like <laughs> everything. Okay, I keep just, going. Sorry. I um, and I think that's what got me. Uh, help, what helped with my early mornings because quite often uh, on the weekends I would do at Kingpin. It was like a bar and a bowling alley. Uh, and I would do like the seven till three shift, like seven a.m. because it opened twenty four hours. So I'd rock up at seven a.m. and then the place would be filled with just the people that had been out all night. Just too many lights <laughs> to be at seven a.m. Do you know? What, like it's like guys go home. <laughs> but these are people like you know staff, you know hospitality workers that had knocked off at three and were on it and stuff and. So if they want to throw some basketballs through a hoop on a small little tiny hoop, let them. Yeah, let them. Except when I rock up at seven, right? So at seven a.m. I'd rock up and clear the bar. Go, sorry guys, bar's closed. Bar's closed. See ya. Bar's closed. Uh, and then I'd clean the bar. And then there would be children's birthday parties and, and whatnot. Anyway, what a fucking place. Just <laughs> So you still work there, clearly. Oh, no. God, no. I left it. So I worked in hospitality, worked in pubs and stuff. And then and then it was like, oh, man, I, was so, I hated working in hospitality. I hated, I hated the constant, oh, one of you gives a smile with that beer. Get, get the fuck out. Also, can I say, I worked, there's one pub that I worked at and I would quite often do the, um, they had like a function room upstairs and so there was many a Bucks night up there. I'll tell you what, all men need <laughs> for a Bucks night. <laughs> Every Bucks night ever, it always turns into men taking off their shirts and wrestling each other. Every single one. Like every – it's astounding how it always happens. Anyway, so I, I worked in pubs and stuff. And then I worked I, – and I still currently work in um, after-school care. Do that – like I, I did a shift like yesterday and – but that was my, like my first shift in like six months. And that has been – that was the best job for, in terms of, you know, getting me through. And then I got a job in radio and that kind of – so – and now I'm, I reckon I'm almost at the point where I, if radio finishes, I'll be okay. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I can't imagine there are many Australian comedians who don't have a TV gig who are in a position where they're almost at yeah. that point of being able to focus purely there, on it. I think there are a few more than what there was back in the day when I was – why I was – and I – because like 10 years ago it was always a, a lot of comics like, oh, you're not successful – Unless you are doing this full time, you know you're not successful until maybe that's just in my head. But but what does that like? What does that mean? Every night of the week, what's the Monday to Friday nine till five equivalent? Is that the of? dream? Do you want to be going out every night of the week? No, no, no. I I think it's more. I'd like to have. There's a few years ago when I start at comedy festival when things started to to kick off, and I had, I just had a really successful comedy festival and went ah oh, there's there's half my yearly income that I've just made in a month, you know, and I, and being able, but I can only do Melbourne. So if I could do Melbourne and then build up an audience in, in Sydney and do the Sydney comedy festival in Perth and Adelaide. I think you should also qualify what your yearly income is just in case people are like, Oh yeah, she earned like a hundred thousand dollars in one festival. No, yeah, not that much, (laughs) but yeah, a a bit enough to be a, you know, a, a decent, to not have to go back to, to working in pubs. Two dogs through dog college. Yes. Yeah. Got two doggos. They're great. So you have a Melbourne International Comedy Festival show coming up soon, yeah, in fact. I do. And it's called Things Are Going Well, which is all <laughs> which is actually all about how how well I am doing financially. <laughs> <laughs> and how like years ago it was shit and now it's like because when I was at university like doing that that radio course pointed at me aggressively then by the way the one that that you got me into when I did that course I feel like it's all my fault well wait for it so no no it's fine I my Centrelink payments got cut off because they were like do you do comedy like Centrelink oh you do comedy I'm like yeah and they're like do you get paid I'm like nah and they're like, prove it. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that paperwork. It's like 12 contact hours a week at uni and I don't have time for this. So my Centrelink payments got cut off. And so that year I was doing my tax and my total income for that year was $8,000. You're basically a writer. I know. 
<laughs> and as this my accountant looked at it, probably didn't need the account. <laughs> I understand. Like, that. Am I, I being get seven it. and a half thousand? Like, Thank you. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And she was like, How did you how did you live? And I was like, Oh well, I lived above a pub. So I had friends that owned a pub and I, I lived upstairs, but it was just a pub. So I just had sorry, just a room. So there was no kitchen. So I just, you know, would live in this room. It had access to a bathroom and fine. But for just meant that for food, like, you know, when you're poor, you go, you just kind of bulk buy and cook batches of stuff and put it in the freezer and whatnot. And I just didn't have access to any of that. So did you go around the pub plates, take the chippies from the pub downstairs? Oh. <laughs> No. I Wait, I mean, I mean, don't know what you're talking about. Should have. No, I just went to the supermarket and bought like pita bread and banana. Um, <laughs> and then I'd have like, you know, banana wrapped in pita bread. Like um, a crepe. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know. Poor man's crepe. <laughs> <laughs> and also, good shelf life. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's. <laughs> not that I had a shelf, it was just like <laughs> next to me. Um, but then you're just spooning some wraps and banana yeah, no, just next to me, and I'd wrap it. <laughs> but then there was a there was a tropical cyclone, and um, the bananas. Yes. Mm. So <laughs> then I just had bananas got very expensive. So then I just had pita bread wrapped in pita bread. <laughs> and, um, anyway, things pita full. Yeah. I okay, I'll leave now. Oh, <laughs> no, that is. Steph's solo good. show is also premiering <laughs> at the Comedy Festival. Look at that. Do we, we've banged on for heaps of time. We? Yeah. <laughs> I love hearing from you. Oh, I don't care. Just turned it back on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to talk to you a little bit. We were talking off mic about the the boys club that is the comedy scene that oh, we yes. know. Yeah. How's that going? Oh. <laughs> do you know, I th- the thing that I really like about the Australian comedy scene now is it you can avoid the boys club. Uh, there are there's some really um, great venues where I'm, and that's been the, the problem I think for a while. I have other female comics that were like, oh, I need to do gigs here because I need like to do. We need to gig, you know. So we need to be able to find places where they have good audiences to get up and try material and whatnot. And there are some, and thankfully there are multiple rooms to do that in now. Uh, and I think previously there hasn't always been that. So it's easy to avoid. Yes, there are some rooms that uh, have brilliant audiences and they, um, are, are, you know, do a lot to, you know, if you can get in front of them and, and do well. But you don't have to. There, there are places where I refuse to perform because of the people that run it and the way they, they run the room. Um, but it has, at the end of the day, it's done nothing to you know hindered my career if anything it's made it you know more successful there was this one particular room that uh i was doing gigs at one night and it's notorious for being you know kind of run by thugs and and it's a very successful comedy place um and there was one night where i was booked and i hadn't gigged in there for years and years and years and years and i went do you know what i'll I'll go back, I'll do start doing gigs there and I'll... Because if it's good enough for some people and it's done... People have done really well by gigging there regularly and do you know what? I'll just... I'll suck it up and I'll go and do gigs there because it's a big audience and it's great to perform in front of. And then there was one night where it just... There was hecklers and they weren't ever dealt with and there was a... Um, Someone was uh, a waitress there was slapped on the ass and they they didn't believe her and there wow. was another comic that that had done it and they protected him because the audience pointed it out and that were like, like the bad place by the way so an audience member had pointed it out so they let they pretended they let the comic go backstage and said we're pretending that we're kicking you out because we protect our comics and I was like yeah but what the what the fuck about your staff. Like, that's, I found it really, and I, you know, so after that I was like, I can't, I can't perform there anymore. I can't, this is not a place, it's not safe for women. Like, I know you, you know, you claim you protect your comics, but as a woman, where do I stand, you know? And where does your staff member stand? Like, if they can't exactly. speak up for fear of losing their job, they're put yeah. in an impossible position. Yeah. So, fuck them. So, that's... me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but you did mention a couple of the other female comics that you're very close to and you do have mm. a lot of 
um, other women in comedy that you have really strong relationships with. Are those kinds of relationships, does that help you figure out how to move through those spaces? The sisterhood is so strong. Like I am a member of multiple private Facebook groups (laughs) that are just women comics and also just, you know, tiny WhatsApp groups. Just uh, like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and that's, I think that's why um, it's so uh, women in comedy now, it's, there's more of us around because there are, we're more connected um, and we're we're there for each other, you know, because it's, as a female comedian, it was, we've, we've been through a tough 12, 6, 12 months. Um, we are constantly thinking about getting home after a gig and that hit us, that hit all of us really strong when, you know, when Eurydice was, was murdered. One of us was murdered on a, on a way home and we're all conscious of that and we're all you know, communicating with each other uh, about that and, and that's our next step now is for, you know, most of the men in the industry are like, they've making leaps and bounds forward in terms of including us but also they need to be more proactive in just understanding what our what our needs are and what our fears are and understanding, yeah, what the role that they play like it's all you know a lot of them are very kind of oh yeah women are funny yeah get them up but at the same time it's like no you fuckers take a step down and move over let us up 100 percent. yeah applause for sure (laughs) i also did want to talk to you just quickly before we go to our shout Mm. out how did gatsby's in the net huge yes huge huge did you love it oh I just wanted a comics take. You can be honest. It's only on tape. I don't know. You can edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a live exclusive. Do you know, it's, I, 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 I don't know because I am was so close to Hannah yep. and it's like listening to a, a friend, you know, kind of tell you all these things and I found it really traumatic and upsetting and, and as a... I think she's quite academic about it as well and it, it's hard to kind of take in. And, j- like, because my partner, um, we've had so many discussions about it because it's like, you know, sh- yes, she's telling her story, but there are so many other stories like hers that have been told many, many, many times before and it's it's great that Hannah has a platform to tell the story but she's not the first one to do it. Yes. I'm just hopeful that, like, the roll-on from that phenomenon will then maybe even just in some cynical way of the men in the boys' club seeing someone have success. Yes. As a woman will be like, oh, oh, that means it's real. Do you know what I mean? I think most of the boys' club would just fucking ignore it. And be like, yeah. I can get, I can get a Netflix special. Yeah. I think most of them <laughs> will be like, no, I'm fucking, I've got, I've got a really successful podcast and, you know, <laughs> fucking... Let's go to Thailand, you What's know. What's the next? <laughs> <laughs> mm, that sounds very specific. <laughs> Let's move on to a shout out. Yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> shout out. A woman or non-binary creative or multiple creatives that you are inspired by, that you think more people should be should know about, whether it's a writer, a comedian, musician, any kind of creative person. I would like to give a shout out to the um, female-led punk band scene in Melbourne. Uh, I'm talking. There's a few cool bands out there that I'm really digging. Um, it's like Pauper Spit has just, um, yeah, released their new yeah fans. <laughs> hey. uh, yeah, no, and they're not here. <laughs> Bands like Porpoise Bit and, and Shrimp Witch um, and uh, Cable Ties and uh, Wet Lips, unfortunately they're not a band anymore but still by their album. Um, but there's the thing that I really like about it is I, I've recently, about a year ago, moved to, to Collingwood and I'm so, I'm so close to the Tote and, you know, the Bendigo Hotel and stuff. So it means that I can go and watch bands. And I'm so used to as a – I don't like to go out too much. I'm one of those – almost an introvert like you know I'm th- I think I you know I can be extroverted but also thoroughly love sitting on the couch at home drinking wine so when I go out it's got, I find crowds intimidating and stuff but going to see a band you know that's all female led that's you know just punk feminism 
the audience is there for the same thing and it makes you feel so much more comfortable and it's, you know, it's a really fun night out. And also I love it because in between bands I've, I'm close enough that I can go home and use my own bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Not use a pub bathroom. Yeah. That's, yeah. And go back. All but, yeah, check out the, you know, Melbourne punk scene. It's awesome. Well, introvert, extrovert, thank you so thank much you. for coming out of the house and being on our podcast. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you. Break time. And we will now seamlessly transition... Now we're going to seamlessly transition into an, the final segment of our podcast and the night. So please welcome our final guest to the stage. I can't believe we actually have a stage, you guys. <laughs> Ronnie, do you want to yeah. uh, introduce Chantel? So please welcome Chantel Weatherall. Chantel is the producer and presenter of Hey Auntie, a podcast that shares fireside chats with black women, femmes and non-binary siblings who've been there. Since launching in 2018, the podcast has reached thousands of listens, sold out an inaugural live show and been shortlisted as a 2019 Frankie Goodstuff Awards finalist. Chantel is a new broadcasting talent with disarming curiosity and a passion for untold stories. She's a sister of British Belizean heritage and West African ancestry and she's been living as a grateful guest on Coolan Land for almost 10 years. Chantel's also a law grad, just because there's not enough impressive things about you, Chantel. <laughs> she has an ongoing career in HR, which is born of a lifelong passion for understanding people. Touched by the power of Solange in 2018, Chantel hasn't looked back since. Yes, all of this. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Chantel. So we've got Chantel on for our bonus Arrogant Aunt segment of Sisteria's live show. And we know it's International Women's Day tomorrow. So it's actually a busy week for you as well as a lot of people in this room. So thank you heaps for coming in. Arrogant Aunt is the segment where we answer listener questions with an authority we just don't have. It's an exercise in imposter syndrome for all of us. And we thought it was really fitting to invite you on, Chantel, um, to answer a question with us because this is a, a question that we get asked a lot and that's, I think, relevant to all of us. Um, and also your podcast is all about aunties, so maybe we're going to rename it Arrogant Aunties just for today. <laughs> Steph, take so it away. Ali asks, I'm really keen to start my own podcast and I have been for some time, but I don't know how or if it's even worth it. There seems so many out there, so how do you do it? We have honestly... Ronnie and I have heard this a little bit. I'm sure you have as well. So, Chantel, how did you start Hey Auntie? Yeah, it's a question that I get asked a few times now since uh, having a whole six months experience on the podcasting scene. (laughs) Um, And I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think about the process of starting my pod is that I saw a TED talk the other day because I'm one of those pretentious people and uh, it was called Teach Your Daughters to Be Brave and Not Perfect. And I think that that is so fucking relevant because what I hear so often is women saying, I have this amazing idea, I've had it for 15 years and I've done nothing with it. And that is because there is so little bandwidth of what the acceptable faces of femininity can be, that we are scared to try anything new. And I reckon I had zero experience and still have very little audio skills. And I just cared enough about what I was gonna make that it overrode my absolute terror of criticism. And I just reckon more women need to be thinking like average Anglo dudes. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. And why can't we think of ourselves as having a punk rock approach? I'm punk podcasting. I can't play the fucking instruments either, but my message is powerful. And as soon as I made it, it found an audience and nobody actually cares. Maximum respect to the producer in the room. <laughs> It was amazing. It was amazing. And the sound and having professional sound and stuff is really wonderful if you want to go the distance. But nobody cares if you're polished. Just have something to fucking say and say it. Better to have it than not have anything at all. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do think that, as you were saying, there are spaces for people who aren't just like cis white dudes who think they're funny. Like, because there are so many of those podcasts. 
I was really terrified about starting my pod, and then I went was in Triple R actually, which is like the incubator of so many beautiful community things. And there was a dude there, and he was, you know, full respect. I'm sure he's at a Biennale now, um, <laughs> but he was a commoner garden Anglo dude, and he was talking about a. a an exhibition he had on at the fucking NGV of whoopee cushions attached to chairs. <laughs> and I was like, look at him. He's not hesitating. Look at his, his chest is puffed out. Like he's coming here like fucking Nikolai Tesla or something. And I'm like, they're doing a 15 PowerPoint slides before I try and have conversations about things that belong to me and my communication of them belongs to me and the whole professionalism and audio especially is like a absolute um, enclave of nerdy dudes who will make you think that if you haven't got loads of money for loads of equipment and if you don't have your bedroom at like 10 degrees higher than the rest of the house because of all of your servers <laughs> then you can't enter the space and it's bull and it's actually absolutely part of the structure of oppression and silencing voices and so podcasting is let's be punk let's just get in there and use the accessibility of the medium to find your people yes and you found your people like it's, it's your podcast amazing is so great. Also, I don't know if... Can you hear this voice? Like, you can put that in your ears and listen to it while you're walking around. It is so good. Yeah, Chantal, do you want to tell us about some of the guests that you've had? Um, it was amazing. I'm just some random who was like, hello, I have a podcast. And I called a bunch of people who I really respect and find fascinating. And I was like, look, I'm making this podcast. And so like Faustina Ogole and amazing people like Angelina Hurley, uh, just really amazing Namilla Benson, local hero, and just nobody ever said no everybody was delighted and what was incredibly moving was we try with hey auntie we say we ask questions that we wish we could have asked an elder when we were younger but you were like too embarrassed or you might have been spanked um <laughs> and so i have a mixture of younger aunties and then established elders and one of the guests who's moved me the most was Auntie Sana Balai, who is an incredible um, Tolai, Papua New Guinean elder. And she was one of the first black women to be a curator at the NGV. And she has an incredible, oh, she is an incredibly powerful woman. And the day that I had invited her, it was pouring with rain. And you don't invite an elder out in slipping weather. And so I was like, you don't have to come, we can reschedule. And she said to me, I, hell or high water will not stop me getting there because nobody has ever asked me to talk about this before. And I'm, I'm nobody, right? And that is how important it is for people to have an opportunity, as Hannah said in Nanette and really inspired me to tell their stories properly. And so is that more important or is it more important that I can edit properly? I don't know. I think you do a pretty good job at editing anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I also think that with Sisteria, it is a lot of hard work. I think that people think it's very much you switch on your iPhone recorder and you can just pop Probably because we're very conversational and very chatty. Like it doesn't sound like a super produced conversation. Yeah, but it is a lot of work. It's not a full-time job. Ronnie and I actually laughed in someone's face at a podcast festival when they asked if it was our full-time job and we felt so awful. <laughs> laughed in their face. Like, that's not very nice. But it's really not our full-time job. We have, like, it's one of the most Other full-time jobs. Yeah, other yeah. full-time jobs. Several side hustles. But we do it because... We fucking love to do it. And today we got some feedback from a listener on Instagram that I, I actually teed up at work because they were like, thank you so much. This is so great. We love what you do and thank you for creating these spaces. And it was just like, oh my God, people are listening, firstly. And secondly, <laughs> like, good, that's what we want. And it's just like, there are people there ready to listen. There is space. It might feel like it's a slightly kind of 
crowded market. But not everything's going to be a serial or a This American Life or a fucking Mark Maron. And who the shit wants to be? <laughs> I certainly don't. So I really think, like, if you want to do it, just just do it. Yeah. Nike, feel free to sponsor us going forward. <laughs> <laughs> we will take your money. <laughs> I, and I think um, what Jez was saying about sisterhood and looking out for each other I've been thinking about that in relation to podcasting and our experience that it hasn't been bro at all that it's been really supportive that like Chantel reached out to us and said hey I love what you're doing we were like we love what you're doing <laughs> Lindsay's here tonight and she has an amazing podcast as well and just Ooh. like that vibe of getting to know other women doing cool stuff with audio when we're not experts at all but it's the most friendly environment um, and so yeah I feel like if you're scared and if you know anyone who does it or even if you don't know them but you just want to kind of hit them up on social media or whatever people are really generous with their time and so that what feels like that first barrier to where do I start people are very willing to give you pointers 100% yeah and if you feel like you would like to find more community I went to Audiocraft Festival last yeah. year Woo. and yeah. it was transformative for me because I got uh, I would say like don't hesitate to go to spaces where established people are and think they won't want to chat with you because we're all most of us are just purely passion driven and if you are passionate too we will enjoy talking your ear off and so I had such a warm welcome and I saw so many inspiring people there that I had instant community. So when I had those little questions, I had people to ask. So do not hesitate to go into those rooms. It is the opposite of bro culture. Mm. It's so healthy, it's so supportive. And whatever your idea is, if you're passionate about it, we'll want to see you making it. Did you, had you started Hey Auntie at that point when you went to Audiocraft? So Hey Auntie was about 18 versions of PowerPoint slides, which was my way of procrastinating my Is that the HR, off. the HR coming it's out in and you. The <laughs> and the law, the law school. I was like, I was, I was like, I can't come out. Look, as a woman, and especially as an intersectional woman, I am a black woman. I There is a way that I have been taught to appear in the world so I can be beyond reproach and unassailable. I don't stick my head above the parapet if I feel like there is a risk of one of the many people who will want to having an easy opportunity to shoot me down. And so those PowerPoints were me wrestling with the idea that I could try and do something I'd never done before and, f and just hold my head high and say, this is not gonna be perfect and I'm gonna accept that I can be flawed and still be allowed to take up space. And I think that that is something I really want every woman to hold on to and every woman to support in other women because the people whose criticism I think we often fear the most is other women going, oh, did you see what she did? And so if you participate in that, it's easy to do, then you yourself create an environment that you can't flourish in and you can't create in. So if we all see each other's stuff that is a little bit flawed but has heaps of potential or heaps flawed, and has no potential but heaps of courage, you need to get behind that shit because that is the environment where creativity can flourish. Preach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely a point. I just love that our little segment on imposter syndrome is about like always about just like we all have to get over imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Like cut it down, cut it dead. We're here and we're going to fucking rule. Imposter syndrome is a motherfucking scam, ladies. <laughs> it is a scam to keep you quiet and to actually keep those majorly mediocre people in their positions of power. Imposter syndrome, needing to have a postgraduate degree to speak syndrome, needing to look like this syndrome. Before I started my podcast, I was like, I want to do something in this space. I literally am so indoctrinated to think I can't speak unless I have permission that I enrolled on a postgrad at Melbourne Uni. <laughs> and I was like, this is really shit. Like, <laughs> I know what I want to say. Why do I need to pay you thousands of dollars to have permission? I didn't help her with her application, just so everyone <laughs> knows. I'm not guilty for that one. It's, it's a scam. You are entitled to speak and you're entitled 
to have an iterative process of learning. And people are ready to hear it. I think that's also really Absolutely. important to remember. So Chantel, I think you are so incredible. Everyone should listen to Hey Auntie if they haven't already. Subscribe <laughs> as soon as your phones are back in your hands. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for our Arrogant Aunt segment. My pleasure. <laughs> Okay, I think this place is getting real rowdy. I don't know what half those noises are, so I think it's time for us to wrap up. It has been such a delight to see you all here. Like, I'm, I don't know about you, Ron Ron, but I'm crazy overwhelmed that there are people here. Yeah, like We were very nervous beforehand, and now it's been really fun, and that's thank you to all of you. It's been so beautiful. Obviously, tonight is the last episode of our season two. Please share Sisteria with your friends and family. Subscribe to our iTunes and leave us a review. Follow us on the socials or contact us at sisteriapodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you want to hear. Or if you do want to sponsor us, that's just a shameless beg. Like, <laughs> we don't know where funding's coming from next, so we're not sure when we will hear or be back for you to hear us. We want to do a thank you to all the amazing guests that we had this season. Um, Michelle Law, Jess Knight, Laura Duve, Leah Jing, Mojo Juju, Aretha Brown, Gemma Flack, Judy Horacek, Christy Dickinson, Evelyn Ida Morris, and of course, Geraldine Hickey and Chantal Weatherall who joined us tonight. And the amazing Rainbow Chan, who provides our fucking brilliant theme music. It's called Last from her album Spacings, which is available from all music platforms. So catchy. If any of those names are unfamiliar to you, go back and listen to those episodes. They're all truly great. I'd like to do a massive, massive thank you to our producer, Jessica Lukino. Thank you. You came on board to dominate, you sorted our shit out and we're super grateful for all your hard work and so glad you're part of the Sisteria fam. We'd also like to thank Ev Morris for being part of the Sisteria family too and stepping up any time we called and we can't wait to work with you more. Big, big thanks to Loop for hosting us tonight, to the Melbourne Library Service for partnering with us and to the City of Melbourne for their support of Sisteria Season 2 through their Art Grants program. And of course, thank you to everyone who has and continues to tune into our little show. We love, love love our listeners you are all the best it's true ron ron i love you thank you so much this I has been the Steph. best time <laughs> and thank you everyone you can go pee now okay. <laughs>